What's up, y'all? You're listening to the Extra Point College Football Podcast. I'm your host, Jake McCarn, joined as always on my co-host, Daniel Hammock. And this week, we are joined by a friend of the show. He's back, David Cobb of CBS Sports. David is back. David, welcome back to the Extra Point. Yeah, uh, happy to be here, even though it turns out I got blasted on the last episode, which I missed. But uh, I deserve it for, for ranking Mullen ahead of, of Kirby in last year's preseason coach rankings. That's that's on me. Um, but, man, it stings, uh, stings that it still comes up a year later. That's, that's, that's pretty rough. Well, we didn't name names, but, you know. <laughs> we did, you threw oh. yourself into the bus on that one. But <laughs> great, great. it's out there. Yeah, just I mean, it was printed, so people knew. Yeah. That's right. Well, you know, so the thing is, it was an aggregate ranking. So it was all of the a compilation of our votes. So, like, there was nowhere that actually had my specific ballot. That's right. So, basically, I've, I've now just revealed to the world for no good reason that <laughs> I was the moron who had uh, Dan Mullen ranked ahead of Kirby Smart before last season in the coach ranking. So, that's hey, woof. <laughs> the best thing we can do in life is just learn from our mistakes. And it sounds like you put Kirby at two this year. I did. We're, we're in lockstep on that one. Now I've got, I've got a bone to pick with the fact that you didn't have Kyle Whittingham in there, but uh, I think he's I 11. Think he's 11. <laughs> he was like 10 yeah, and a half. You know, you know, and then you guys, yeah, y'all are, y'all are too high on, uh, on Mac Brown. I mean, we're not talking about late nineties, Mac Brown. We're talking about, you know, Mac Brown, who's coming off of what he's in his nineties. <laughs> <laughs> No, How old is he? Exactly. He's in the 70s, isn't he? Yeah, he's he's up there. He's pushing 80 for sure. Hey, Chapel so, Hill is a good place to settle down. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> well, this week we're gonna we're talking buying and selling stock. This is an episode we did last year in the offseason. So we're talking what teams are you buying stock in or selling stock in? Kind of relative to where their stock price is right now. Here, you know, we're post-spring ball at this point. So David, I haven't pulled up, you know, CBS Sports Ranking. I think Dennis Dodd wrote the story, but y'all's post-spring top 25. So I kind of use that as my my barometer of, like, hey, am I higher or lower on these teams? So we've all picked two teams that we are buying stock in and two teams that we are selling stock in. We'll just go round robin style here. So, Daniel, what's one team that you are buying stock in for the 2022 college football season? This one was a no-brainer for me, my first one. Um, I had a little we'll, – we'll get to the second one later. That's the one I kind of went back and forth on. This one, I just I, – I have no idea how they're not going to be, I don't know, a top-10 team by the end of the season, and that's LSU. LSU is back, and it's coming from them winning national championship and then having two awful seasons and then getting a coach that I think can actually coach ball – now, culture fit, call it what you will. I think he's going to come in and immediately be an impact in the win column. They're not going to lose games due to dysfunction like they did previously. I think that there's a sense of renewal um, with the team. I think players like, you know, Keishon Butte, players like this that are elite talents that in the past couple of years would have been maybe known for opting out and just waiting until the the draft or something like that. You're not going to see that this year. This year you're going to see them um, play out the season. And I, I'm a firm believer of LSU. If you roll the helmets out there, they should be able to get you nine, nine and three. Um, I'm expecting 10 and two from LSU this year. And I think that Miles Brennan is the quarterback that's going to do it for them. Miles Brennan for life. All right. So give me all the LSU stock. No brainer. No brainer. old. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they, they brought in the uh, the Arizona State transfer who's going to compete for that job. You know, Jaden Daniels is is a pretty good player. And then uh, Nussmeyer, too. They got, That's one of the better uh, quarterback battles. In, and then the they still have right the true freshman. Uh, was it Walker Howard? Walker Howard. Walker just, he's, he's just down there like – and he's going to help the scout team look good, all right? And they're going to be able to prepare defensively. I mean, this is going to be a really good team. People aren't ready, aren't ready to admit it because uh, they don't know everybody's name and – a lot of it has settled down for the past couple of years. I'm buying them low. I 10 wins this year, man, 10 wins. You know, the one thing I think Brian Kelly is really going to do at LSU, he's, he's going to turn it into a family. It's going to be a real, <laughs> right. real, real family environment. down. There. Hey, family or not, 
Kelly can coach ball. <laughs> it's <I> just <laughs> all right. LSU. That's all right. I, I that's that was nowhere on my radar. <laughs> so, that was not the one I expected to surprise you. Okay. To be fair, well, that, so uh, David, who who are you buying stock in? Yeah. Uh, so I'm gonna go for my first team going out west, uh, Arizona. Which it, look, any improvement is is significant there when they're coming off a one in eleven season, and then obviously the end of the Kevin Sumlin tenure was a disaster. But you know, I look at a win total of two and a half, and I think they've got a pretty good shot at at, at busting through that because, I mean, they're they're bringing in Jaden Delora at quarterback, who was the QB at, at Washington State under Rolovich, who actually showed quite a bit of promise and. I think you get him under Jed Fish, who has worked with some phenomenal quarterbacks over his tenure. I mean, dude's been as well traveled as any college, you know, Power Five head coach in the country in terms of the diversity of experiences and the types of quarterbacks that he's worked with. So I actually think that Jed Fish, now that he's got a quarterback who he's kind of been able to pick out himself, I think that alone could make Arizona much more dangerous. Now, I'm not going to lie, I do kind of think the schedule's a little bit tough uh, because they do play at San Diego state, they get Mississippi state in the non-con as well. And then they got to go, uh, they got to play North Dakota, which like anytime you play one of those Dakota schools, man, that's just a, a trap, an absolute trap. So it's not like, I love the schedule necessarily. Um, I think they also have to go to Washington out of the North, which is not great, but I just think in terms of improvement, uh, they're going to just be a far better team than anything we've seen put on the field at Arizona in several years. And so I think they'll get past the two and a half win total and then kind of build off of that because, I mean, they're bringing in the number three ranked recruiting class in the Pac-12, which, you know, again, that's a school that's been way down there in the rankings. So the fact that he's actually going to get some talent now, um, I think Jed Fish is going to coach him up. And I think they're going to be a lot better this year than any Arizona team has been in recent memory. That's what I call a value play. You buy them at one win, you can double your winnings with two wins. <laughs> I know, I know. This is this is niche. This is that's, this is not for the uh, the uh, you know. But you guys, y'all, y'all are SEC, ACC, and I am too, honestly. Like by by nature, because that's what I was raised on. But like, I write I write about the Pac-12 during the off season when we do these off season features. So like, you know, I like to sink my teeth into uh, the value plays uh, out there for the folks who uh, may be looking for something a little off the beaten path. So that I is, think Arizona. They're gonna they're gonna win the Pac-12 South. I think that's what I heard you say. So, hey, and I'm still <laughs> I'm too, still so waiting so on cattle in the north. I'm still waiting on it, David. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We've now successfully discussed my two worst college football takes during my entire tenure at CBS. So, well, uh, let's talk know, about real- the great things. All right, two years two years ago, you led in uh, expert picks, and then last year you finished second. So, hey, last bad. year you know, you're the only one to pick Iowa to win the West. Big Ten West. That, this is people in Iowa love me. Like this will be your most listened <laughs> podcast ever in Iowa, because they're gonna they're gonna yes. see it. Just, oh yeah, that, this is our guy. Actually, uh, well, never. I'll I'll save I'll save the Iowa discussion for later. But let's just say we may be revisiting the Hawkeye State at some point in this. Well, season. speaking of teams we're buying stock in, and speaking of Iowa, I'm just kidding. I'm not buying stock in Iowa, but <laughs> it's cheap. Uh, I'm just kidding. You know, you're sitting here telling me Mac Brown's ranked too high in my coach rankings. Mm-hmm. I stand by him being eighth because I'm buying stock in North Carolina. Uh, North Carolina has recruited better than everyone in the ACC except for Clemson over the last three seasons. And so I think le- last year, a lot of people were high in North Carolina coming into the season, calling them to win the ACC Coastal with Sam Howell as a junior. You know, we sat here and said – the skill players are all gone. Like, you know, as people who grew up Georgia fans, we were saying, hey, this is 2019 Jake Fromm. Like, you lose all your receivers, and you're not going to look as good. That's exactly what happened with Sam Howell. They, they go six and seven. They have a disappointing season. But it was that 2021 class that had some absolute studs in the defensive line, as well as in the secondary. He had a five-star in Tony Grimes. So those players are all sophomores now. And Tony Grimes is someone who came in as really a senior in high school. He reclassified. And came in really, really young. So I expect the defense to be stout this year. Their win total sitting here at sorry, I just had it. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. Seven and a half. So like I think this is at minimum a nine win team pushing 10 wins. And I think North Carolina has every ability to challenge Miami in the coastal this year and win the coastal. So Drake May 
get used to that name. He's the leader in the clubhouse for starting quarterback. I know everyone's going to say, you lost him, how? Where do you go from here? Drake May, very highly touted kid. Uh, his brother, you know, Luke May, you know, North Carolina basketball legend, uh, Luke May. So this is definitely like a Carolina um, – like legend kid who's coming here, Josh Downs, one of the best receivers in the country. He's probably going to be a preseason All-American. So, yeah. hey, I'm buying stock in North Carolina. Don't be shocked if they win the ACC Coastal this season. Hey, the ACC is wide open. The ACC Coastal, anyone can win it any year. Any so. year. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we had the – when was it? What, what was the year span where there were seven years in a row where all seven teams won the Coastal? <laughs> it was – I think it was in this in last 2018. Yeah. yeah, it was 2018 was the last year of that because we talked about it on the pod. So Yeah, David, we this is – this is an ACC Coastal podcast, my friend. This is it's, well, I remember it's the best division I, in football. <laughs> I remember you guys were awfully high on the Miami Hurricanes last year. So uh, you're early. You're early. That is my fault. <laughs> there's there's one charge. of our bad takes. I mean, honestly, like I, it's ridiculous to suggest that a, a program under a first year coach could compete for a division title, but I think there's several of them this year. Not not to get off on a crazy tangent, but like Miami and Crystal Ball, they could get in the mix in a Coastal. And then Lincoln Riley, uh, Pac-12 South, they could get in the mix. And then, like, obviously, you know, Oklahoma's not going to fall off too ridiculously far. They could be in the mix in the Big 12. So you got 100%. some first-year coaches who could make some noise. Absolutely. All right, we've each, had, we've each given one team. Daniel, what's your second team you're buying stock in? Well, it's funny that you just mentioned Oklahoma because they were the team that I just marked out. So it was between them and this team okay. as far as teams that I was buying. So Oklahoma's up there. Uh, I, I really like what, what Venable's going to do. Um, obviously, they just got general booty at quarterback, but I think <laughs> Dylan Gabriel <laughs> Dylan Gabriel is going to be the dude. Um, with like Jeff Levy again. With Jeff Levy again, and I think I, I think the people are expecting a big step back on offense, and I don't expect that. I just think that the defense is going to kind of pick up. Anyways, that's not who I'm buying stock in. Uh, if I have any money left over, it's going to them. But Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I'm going with Ole Miss, all right? I'm sticking with two SEC teams for buying stock but and two SEC West teams at that. But Ole Miss, um, I know that it's kind of a weird time to buy because of what they did last year and what people are probably already expecting this year. But I think that they had a great tandem backfield last year. And then you replace that with an even better one this year. Um Zach Evans coming in as a transfer, averaging over seven and a half yards of carry for the last two seasons is just ridiculous. And then I that'd be enough to talk about, but Ulysses Bentley the fourth, who came from my SMU Mustangs and came over, and now you've got a one-two punch in the backfield of just those two guys alone. I mean, I don't want to say it doesn't matter who the quarterback is. I think Altmeyer could do it if he needed to, but Jackson Dart has so much more talent. Um, and I think he does everything that, that Kiffin wants. Um, I think that they're going to, they're going to have this battle go on throughout the year, but I, I think it's going to be Jackson Dart, but you got Jackson Dart with two elite running backs that are probably going to both be pretty high draft picks, one in the first round and one maybe in the, the fourth round. I think you're going to, you're going to see a difference in that offense that maybe even more so than what, what they had last year with, with Matt Corral kind of having to be a one man team. Um, you're going to see a little bit more of a supporting cast. So, um, I mean, give me give me Kiffin with with some backfield talent. So, uh, I'm I'm definitely going to buy some stock in Ole Miss. Um, I don't necessarily know if that's I mean relative to where they're expected to be. I know they're relative they're expected to take a step back after having their best season ever. I mean, <laughs> ten and two. Um, I, I don't know if they'll go 10 and two, but I expect most people are expecting them to go eight and four. I think they could hang out at nine and three. Run totals of seven and a half. Yeah. So. yeah, I think they could surpass that. They've got the number one ranked transfer class. So, I mean, that's, that's, it's going to be interesting this year to see how quickly transfer classes translate in college football. And if they translate quickly, if Lang gets, gets all those dudes firing on all cylinders, I mean, they could absolutely surpass that one total. And heck, just, was it yesterday that Jalen Robinson committed? Ooh, maybe two days yeah. ago, something like that. It was maybe it was very recent. Uh, yeah, and he's he's from that system as well. I mean, he he played under Heupel at UCF, so he's going to be comfortable in that Kiffin system. He makes a lot of sense there. 
That's right. All right. Ole Miss for Daniel. Uh, David, where are you going next? Uh, yeah, I'm going to the uh, ACC. Uh, I'm going to go with Louisville, uh, a team that has – I mean, look, I'm not going to lie. That fan base's relationship with Scott Satterfield <laughs> seems rocky at best. Uh, at the end of the day, though, this is a team that ranks 14th at Bill Conley's uh, re- returning production metric and a team that, even though its record didn't really reflect it, was pretty competitive last season. So you're talking about Malik Cunningham coming back for his 11th season. I think that's uh, obviously a huge plus for Louisville, the fact that it has you know, been a while. Right. Like that dude has had that team on his back for a long, long time. And they, they've got some really good skill position players back around him as well. So I'm looking at a win total that Vegas has set at five and a half. And I just think that feels really low for a team with a veteran quarterback, with a coach who is at the point in his tenure where he should really be hitting his stride. And I think, you know, uh, I wouldn't be stunned if, if Malik Cunningham was able to kind of stick in the, in the Heisman conversation for a little bit this year, I'm not saying he's going to win the Heisman, but I mean, could I see him being the the fourth guy invited to New York? I mean, yeah, he's got a veteran offensive line this year. And so I just think that offense is going to be firing on all cylinders now for Louisville. I mean, I'm not, not really sure about the defense, what that's going to look like, but uh, I, I just think Louisville is going to get back to that trajectory that it showed where in year one under Scott Satterfield, you could see it and it made sense. And it was an immediate turnaround from the disastrous way that the Petrino era ended. And it feels to me like there's still something left in the tank for Satterfield at Louisville. And I think we're going to see it this year. It's funny, Bud Elliott, uh, a couple weeks ago, he's doing the summer school series with different people from 24 seven in Louisville. He mentioned that I had to go look it up. He was like, if I asked you to name the top 25 offenses in college football last season, uh, would you have named Louisville? Because they ranked 24th in SE Plus last year. So Bill Conley, for the preseason, this is preseason numbers, obviously, but has them as eighth for offense, eight top 10 offense in college football. So I love that pick. Yeah, Cunningham uh, produced nearly 4,000 total yards on his own. So I, his health is key. Like, that's a huge <laughs> part of all this. But, but yeah, I mean, I, I don't think there's any reason. He, uh, Satterfield knows how to – run an offense and the fact that Cunningham decided to come back is like a really good sign and look I know they got a, a receiver who was poached by Alabama the speedy dude you know and I, I'm blanking on his name but Harold, like, yeah. it's not yeah Harold and I think people are like looking at that and like oh wow you know the cupboard must really be drying up at Louisville no I think the dude's transferring because he's he wasn't probably going to get a ton of catches at Louisville and he's like oh if I'm going to be a third option like I might as well go you know, uh, do it in Alabama. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Louisville's got enough well, enough weapons to build off of uh, last year's success. Love it, love that pick. All right, my last team. <laughs> I, I joked before before we got on here that I took notes for every single one of these teams except for this one because I'm gonna say the team and I have two words to say. I'll say some more, but look, it's Texas. I'm buying stock in Texas. Hook them. They're back. Hook them. I mean, look, Texas, and I, I've bought, I think I've bought, I didn't buy stock on this episode last year, but I was very high in Texas last year. In fact, when we when, let's talk about bad takes, when we picked the Big 12 final standings prior to the Big 12 championship, we had Texas first. We had them at one, seven and one in conference, eight and one in conference, uh, with the only loss being to Oklahoma. No, we had them losing to, uh, Arkansas. Someone else. We had them anyway. It doesn't matter. We had them at seven and one in con- eight and one in conference. That fell down the drain. But I think this yeah. is an addition by subtraction situation at Texas, where the locker room obviously had a lot of issues. And uh, while they had maybe some stars in that locker room, it wasn't the best culture fit. I think that Sark has seen the importance of culture and having the right players in your roster at Alabama. Now, I do think. <laughs> The you know the the juxtaposition to that is he's taken some players from Alabama that maybe weren't the best culture fits at Alabama, but hey maybe he can give them a second chance at Texas and they can thrive there. We've already seen that Sark's offense has been very successful at the college and pro level. Uh, we saw that it was honestly successful last year, uh, even with two two different quarterbacks he was trying to figure out. He's got a way better quarterback this year. I am buying all the stock in Quinn Ewers. I think he is a very good value Heisman bet preseason. I think any quarterback with his skill will thrive in that offense. My question for Texas is their defense and how quickly that defense can turn around. But 
I think Texas can score 42 a game. They might have to to win, but this is an offense that's going to thrive with Xavier Worley. I think Billingsley comes in and makes an immediate impact. Same thing with the GA Hall. I mean, I'm buying all the stock you can give me in Texas. I think this is a year where year two, they can break out and win the Big 12 with Sark this year. So I'm not saying playoff bound, but I am saying that at an eight and a half win total, obviously Vegas thinks they're going to be tremendously better. I think they'll be a step better than that. This is a nine or 10 win team in 2022. How involved is the pole sassing going to be at Texas? <laughs> that's the question. That's what, that's what I'm wondering. <laughs> that's, that's the question. Uh, that's bold. That's bold. Um, I, you should clip that audio and, you know, make sure old takes exposed, never gets its hands on it. Uh, <laughs> here in seven months, but uh, you, you ever no, been retweeted I, by them? Oh, I mean, I've had some worthy stuff. That's that's for sure. But no, <laughs> thankfully, thankfully not. Uh, not to my knowledge. Oh gosh, Daniel, you buying the Texas hype? Uh, yes and no. Okay. Um, I'm definitely ready to see what they do with Quinn Ewers because I don't think that they've had that caliber of prospect come in um, since the Mac Brown era, I guess. I mean, Vince Young. <laughs> I mean, like Colt McCoy. As far as, as far as at that position and everything like that. Uh, so I do think that that's going to help erase a lot of issues. Um, I think it helps that he reclassified and spent time in a quarterback room with some really, really talented players and at a elite program like Ohio State, because I think that that adds value in a way that people aren't really talking about with uh, – with Quinn Ewers, just for the sheer fact of he knows how college classes work. He was able to kind of step out and learn it away from all his buddies and everything down at Texas. And he was a, uh, a just a small fish in a big pond rather than being the opposite at Texas, which is weird to say because Texas is everything's bigger in Texas, but like, no one looked to Quinn Ewers to get any sort of uh, meaningful snap last year on a team that was as, you know, as elite as Ohio State. So definitely that that alone may have done him well from a mentality standpoint that I'm looking to see that that might be reap benefits for Texas in the long run. Now, Jaleel Billingsley and Ajayi Hall, like we'll see, we'll see how that goes. But um, I'm definitely buying Quinn Ewers stock. Um, she doesn't need me to buy any because he's got plenty of NIL money. But um, I didn't even mention Bijan. I mean, oh yeah, yeah that's yeah. running back in college football. So that's, and that helps. That, that helps. helps for sure, especially uh, in Sark's offense. I I, like, I think I saw you got an NIL deal with a, a Lamborghini or or one of the like premier elite like vehicle brands. I saw something like that, but I don't remember what it was. Or Ferrari. Yeah, it might have been Ferrari, man. Ferrari. That's that's okay. it's gonna be interesting. Like schools like Texas that are throwing this stuff around now. Like, I mean, I'm not trying to be like Mister Get Off My Lawn or anything, but <laughs> you you got some real dynamics now with uh, players having wealth and 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 things at a young age. That is, it's gonna be interesting to see how, how some of these things are managed. And, and as we know, everything is bigger in Texas, and we know kind of some of the dollar figures that were thrown around for Quinn Ewers at Ohio State. It was Lamborghini. Uh, what are those down there? Lambo, yeah. Okay. Lamborghini of Austin. So, yeah, what, what are all these these dynamics going to be like at a place like Texas that has had its share of dysfunction already in recent years? And, you know, it's just to me that's the biggest piece is, is it's kind of a cliche, but getting that culture right because they've had the talent forever. I mean, every year it feels like they've got a, a minimum a top 15 class nationally. So it doesn't ever feel like the talent has lacked or – waned but it's just never they've never been able to put it together and you get into that oh here we go again cycle and what's it going to take to pull them out of that i don't know it's david you just described while why mac brown is in our top 10 you're saying you didn't understand why that's why he's the last one to be able to wrangle it and get them pulling in the right direction you got to be somewhat of a politician with this whole culture deal and he was you know shaking hands and kissing babies and figuring this whole thing out so that's why yeah, they won a championship yeah. but they also had some real success under mac brown 
Yeah, and to his credit, he's he's managed to get people on board with football at UNC as well. I mean, I'm just saying, I don't know if he's a top ten coach in the in the sport. Yeah. Give some love to Kyle Whittingham over here. You know what I mean? But uh, no, that's it's interesting. We'll see. All love right, well, all right. We bought some stock, Daniel. Let's sell some now. What's the first team you're selling? Get get rid of it. Yeah, um, this is where you're probably gonna you're you're gonna be a little bit surprised. We were just talking about Quinn Ewers. I'm selling Ohio State stock. I'm selling it relative to where they are. Hear me when I say they can absolutely win the Big Ten, and I still think I can sell the stock because I know we've mostly been talking about win totals. Their win totals at 10.5. I think it'd be really unlikely for them to go less than 10.5. I'll say that. I think they're going to go 11-1. and All right? I think that's going to be their season. I just think, and I agree that we've got the returning production metric that's, I mean, it's way skewed out of the way for what a team like Ohio State should have. What is it? They're top 24 or something like that, 25, Jacob. Um, they're, they're 24th in returning production. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's something insane. That's, that's not like an elite team should be. I get that. I think, and this is a lot of gut, all right? Y'all just know I'm watching college football a long time. A big fan, and this isn't anything to do with – I really want Ohio State to be good this year. I think it would be really cool. I love Ryan Day. I think they'll be good. I think that there's a lot of pressure for this to be the, the year, and I think that they've got a window of a lot of years because of the way they recruit and the coach that they have. I don't think that it has to be like this year or never, but C.J. Stroud will probably go pro after this year, so this is his window of a year. I think that he's reading, you know, he's going to be looking at it because he's going to be one of the Heisman favorites from the beginning. And I do think that a lot of Ohio state's defensive struggles have been written off because of uh, Knowles coming in as the defensive coordinator. And while I think the hire makes sense, everything looks good on paper. I'm still not 100% sold on them being able to just like stop the run, you know, and it be everything be okay this season. I do think that there's still going to be a lot of pressure on the offense. And until proven otherwise, I don't think the defense is going to be winning them games. Um, not that they're going to have to, but as far as we're talking about margin of victory, um, I think they're going to have a little tougher time getting out of the gate on a couple of these. And then, you know, I think, sustaining it long term I do think they're going to lose a game in the regular season and I think that if they make the playoff I don't think that they make it to the national championship I think that they lose in the first round of the playoff whoever that is we're gonna have a hard time agreeing on our preseason picks man I am all in at Ohio State I am so all in I've bought all my stock already oh goodness man Jacob's in the fast lane he's bought the toll pass all right, let me ask you all this. Floor. So, Ohio State, wh- where does Ohio State's defense have to rank for them to win the national championship? Like, is it top 10? Could they get away with top 15? I think, you know, top 20 because the offense should be great. I mean, you, you obviously, I think people default to seeing that they lose Wilson and Olave, two first round draft picks at wide receiver, but are, they're are still going to have the best receiver back? in the country. Yeah, exactly. So, Jackson that's Smith not. Yeah, I think the question is how much better does the defense get and how quickly. I think the offense is national title caliber, but you got to at least have a top – yeah, I would say probably at least a top 15 defense. And I say that not not even really remembering off the top of my head where they were defensively last year, but it, it wasn't good. That was clearly their issue. I think and specifically rush the defense is their issue. If their rush defense can be better, then I think that it will eliminate a lot of the issues – that they had everywhere else, but teams could just run the ball on them last year, especially Michigan in the snow. And it just, it just, and I mean, obviously Oregon earlier in the year, but there's just these times where you just teams could just do that and stay in the game. Minnesota early in the year. I think that was the first game before Ibrahim went down with injury. I mean, all of these games where it was like, Hey, we need to stop they weren't able to get the stop, especially in the run game. I think that if they can shore up the run defense alone, 
It ain't have to be total defense. The run defense alone, I think that they'll win every game, maybe go go 12 and 0. But I'm just not 100% sold on it just yet. I'm just not that's not where I'm at. So, I'm selling it right now. It's May. Who knows? I might be it's buying May. some more when we get to August, <laughs> you know? Who knows? So their defense ranked 20th in FC Plus last year. Bill Conley's preseason yeah, numbers and, uh, has them at 11. And uh, 43rd in yards per play. So, yeesh, you know. Um, and Oklahoma State was fifth in yards per play. So if Knowles can split that difference, right? I'm not saying he's got to have them at fifth, but if he can have them at 20th, then and I think they're they're in business. But they're in the a, Big Ten big where the offenses aren't necessarily lighting you up, you know? So – I mean, it's the Big Ten. If you can stop the run, you survive and be fine. Right. So, anyways, that's I've made my point. I'm selling Ohio State. It's May. It's May. I'm Ohio no, State. I'm, so the reason I will say I would buy the defense being fixed with Knowles is a lot of their problems with the run game last year were just run fits. Like, they were just literally out of position. Like, that's why they made the midseason change. I know woulda, shoulda, coulda, but if that Michigan game's not in the snow – who knows? Like, but Oregon burned them and like that, and Minnesota burned them. And that's why they had to make those champs. I think Scheme can fix it. We'll see. We'll see what happens. Well, uh, they have players. We know that they have players. They got, they they got returning teams. players. We know that. So it's like all these things are there. But I'm talking, of course, relative because otherwise to buy stock would be to say, do you think they're going to win a national championship? And that's where I was a few weeks ago. And I started diving into this a little more. And I'm like, ah. I just don't feel good about Ohio State winning the national championship this All right. season. That's it. That's it. That's it. <laughs> All right. Uh, Ohio State, selling stock. It's bold. All right, David. <laughs> yeah, going to go back to the uh, ACC here and pick a team that, that is giving me Iowa State vibes from this time last year, and that's NC State, a team that, depending on where you look, cracked a couple of preseason top tens. Um, I was working on a piece recently about ACC spring overreactions. And for that piece, I basically said with NC State, embrace the hype, like enjoy it. It would be really exciting if we had a party crasher this year. Cincinnati made college football pretty fun last season with their Cinderella story. Um, we we wanted Iowa, everybody wanted Iowa State to be that team last year. And I think NC State sort of falls in that category for me this year because you're talking about a program. The last time they finished in the top 15 was 2002. All right. So it's been 20 years there. Like you, you kind of got to show me at this point with NC State. Dave Doran's done a great job of keeping that program quality. They have their best quarterback since Phillip Rivers and Devin Leary. And so I get it. Like he was over Russell last Wilson. Season. Russell uh, Wilson. We'll see, man. I don't right. know. I mean, Leary's really good. Like, uh, it's, it's, a, it's a debate worth having. I, but, I mean, that, that's fair. I mean, Mike Glennon? Russell Wilson. I'm just kidding. Out, <laughs> well, Russell Wilson's turned out to be a phenomenal pro, uh, no doubt. But, uh, no, I, I don't know. It just feels a little bit hopeful to assume that we're talking about a, an NC State team that's going to be a dark horse playoff contender or whatever. And then the opinions vary. So, if you go up the Vegas win total of eight and a half, like, I don't know that I'm selling them that hard. Like, sure. I absolutely think they could be, be an eight or nine win team. Like no doubt. Like, but do I think they're going to be the ACC champions or in the, even in the ACC title game, I can't get there with a program that's just kind of um, fail, you know, struggled to reach that, that upper echelon for so long. And so, you know, like I said, Leary was great. He, he threw for what 35 touchdowns and uh, five interceptions last year. So mm -hmm. that's, I mean, he, as, 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 like the ACC has a ton of really good quarterbacks coming back, and he might be at the top of the list. So uh, I understand why why NC State is going to be good. I believe they're going to be good. I just I just struggled to see a team that hasn't consistently recruited top ten level classes cracking that that picture and being you know this this team. And it's same same reason I faded Iowa State last year. And Iowa State wasn't terrible, but they weren't great either. And I just kind of feel like that's the way NC State's going to be. I like that pick. I again relative. I still think think they can be like a top two team in the Atlantic, but 
I'm with you on that last year was the year they should have done it. Like last year, because Clemson was down and they beat Clemson, you need to go in the ACC last year. Them falling on their face was honestly embarrassing. Like that could have been a historic season for NC State because like Pittsburgh, that game's winnable if you're NC State. Like you like you you won the hardest game. You beat Clemson. So the fact that they didn't even win the Atlantic last year, I think was really disappointing. So I'm with you on the I don't trust them to uh to hit that top tier, hit that next gear that championship winning teams can do. Uh and the Clemson game will be huge again. It's it's I think it's October 1st that they play. And that I mean get them early. could be a huge game. If they win that one, then all right, let's go. And like like I said, this isn't this isn't any animus towards NC State. I think it would be fun to see them crash this party. I mean, you know, like having when I covered Tennessee and Tennessee fans thought that they might hire Dave Doran. It was the crazy search when they ended up with Jeremy Pruitt. But like, you know, they more or less were in talks with Doran that would have brought him to Tennessee. And like you would have thought that like, you know, they were hiring the defensive coordinator from like some lower tier FCS program. Like the outrage over the possibility of Dave Doran being Tennessee's next coach was just in, insane, honestly. But he's done a really good job of building a program there that, you know, in a place where it's not super easy to do. And so it would be cool to see him break through. And, and whatnot i just i think they're just going to continue to be a good not great you know type of program did did he get interviewed for that tennessee job oh yeah yeah if you go back and read the uh the text from the well yeah the uh the, all they released all the communication so like all john curry's text messages came out and uh it was just crazy man and uh yeah so doran's agents in there talking and and, and stuff and like there was there was some definite smoke to that fire and at the time, you know, he's kind of just plodding along to this seven and five, eight and four type of pace. And of course, to the Tennessee fans with these, you know, lofty expectations, well, you know, you win eight games in the ACC. How are you going to win 10 in the SEC? And, you know, they just weren't about it. And like, obviously, in retrospect, would you have rather had Dave Dorn or, or Jeremy Pruitt? Right. But I guess we'll never you know. know. And, and, <laughs> This is interesting because there's just so much more trust with somebody who knows the SEC, right? Or as we were talking about earlier, you know, somebody who has um, uh, been around uh, Nick Saban, right? If you know what type of deodorant Nick Saban wears, then you must be a great, you must be a great coach. Um, not necessarily the case. Not necessarily the case. He wears women's degree. I, I know that. So. Yeah. <laughs> oh gosh. All right, a team I'm selling stock in. We were just talking about a coach leaving a school, uh, Oklahoma State. So we're going to go stat nerd here for this one. So uh, in 2021, I love looking at Bill Conley's SP Plus numbers. They're they're phenomenal. Uh, Oklahoma State ranked in the final SP Plus. They ranked 12th. So a team that a lot of people had like top six towards the end of the year, 12th in SP Plus is still very good. And the defense was ranked fourth, so a top five defense in college football. So since then, they lose their defensive coordinator. Uh, returning production for Oklahoma State off of that team that was a top 12 team uh, in power rankings, defense top five. They rank 118th in returning production going into this season. And the defense ranks 128th out of 130 teams. So the strength of that team was the defense, and they were a phenomenal defense last year, but they're bringing nobody back from that defense, nor their defensive coordinator. So now you're stuck with, I think Spencer Sanders is still there for his 17th year with the program. He's a mediocre quarterback. The offense has been mediocre since (laughs) he is. He he throws like a lot of interceptable balls. Uh, The offense at Oklahoma State has been mediocre since like 2013 uh, when like Justin Blackman was was catching balls at Oklahoma State. So uh, I'm selling all my Oklahoma State stock. This is a team that I think, I mean, you know, in CBS Sports, David Yost poll, Oklahoma State is their top twenty twenty. So ranked twentieth. I don't think it's the top twenty-five team at the end of the season. Yeah. And you don't think Mike Gundy's a top ten coach either, do you? No, I sure don't. <laughs> he was part of our uh, stale <laughs> our, our our stale situation. Him and uh, James Franklin. So they're both in the stale category. Now if Man, if, if he Look, if Oklahoma State this year is a top 15 team, even a top 20 team this oh, year, a great coaching I'll be really, really yeah. impressed with the coaching job Gundy did to replace his coordinator and then uh, turn the team around for you lose all that production. So 
I'll be impressed. I'm just not buying it. All right. Oklahoma State's won 10 games in five of the last nine seasons. We're not talking about Oklahoma here. We're talking about Oklahoma State. Like, nobody else could have as much sustained success over the long run as Mike Gundy has had. And I think I think he could replicate it somewhere else. We had this discussion the other day via text. But, man, <laughs> like, Gundy is, Gundy is, in my mind, a top-10 coach based off what he did last season, yes, but also the body of work. And, you know, they were kind of getting fatigued to him before last year. But, man, he – you know, he showed something special right there. They were they were right on the cusp of making the playoff. And, like, he's got his work cut out for him this year, but he's shown time and time again that he can overcome the departures of key personnel and key staffers and get Oklahoma State back to double-digit victories. And that's, I mean, to me, at a place that doesn't have unlimited resources, like, that's really impressive. Look, when they finish behind West Virginia, the Big 12 this year, you just – we'll see. <laughs> I'm all right with that. I'm, I'm a West Virginia man now. <laughs> that's right that's right all right daniel back to you what's the last team you're, you're selling stock in i think i just decided to wake up and choose violence as far as just wanting to upset jacob today because i'm selling usc um and it's, okay. it's just i'd, I'd be season. mad next year just yeah, yeah. this season i believe in lincoln especially as a hire there i think it was a home run for them this season i just think the hype is just going to be too great um for a first season and it's just natural it's natural for everyone to do it plug and play Caleb Williams already knows Lincoln system he's just going to be this great quarterback I, I just think that they're going to stub their toe a little bit and if we go back to the win total thing their win total set at eight and five or eight eight and a half excuse me so eight and four or nine and three they're not going nine and three I can just I, I would bet my mortgage on that okay they're gonna go Wait, the nine and three like they're not going to win nine games. They're not going to win nine games. Yeah, they're going to lose to Arizona. <laughs> That's right. It's going to be their one Pac-12 win. <laughs> yeah. So I think that they're going to. <laughs> I, I'm eight and four. I feel like that could be a possibility. But I mean, seven and five just feels like at home. Like that's just what it's going to be for the first year. Getting the lay of the land. I, year two is where you're going to see the jump with Lincoln at USC. And I do feel like they can win 10 games, 11 games in year two. Year one, eight and a half is just rich for me. So I'm going to sell USC. Um, there's just there's just too much on the line of scrimmage that I've got questions about on both lines of scrimmage. Um, and I haven't looked deep at the schedule, but I mean, I just think that it's also like what David was talking about with NC State. It's a perception thing. Like, I think that it is a very hot, sexy hire that they hired Lincoln and that they already got Caleb Williams and that there's potential for Jordan Addison. If he goes, whatever, cool. Um, they, you know, they have Mario, uh, Mario Williams um, at receiver already. So like, they've got those kinds of things going for them. I'm just not there uh, this season. So my, you know, I, my only... I was going to say like Dan, Dan's going for like, the, the money picks with going Ohio state, LSU, USC, like. It's all yeah, about bringing in the listeners. That's what it is. I know. <laughs> That's I what know, I'm yeah. here to do. I am the talent. Okay. <laughs> Jacob is the backbone. He does all the work. I show up. I give my opinions. All right. Usually so, the right ones. <laughs> my, my only bonus. I was with you until you said the nine game thing only because they're scheduled because I think the defense is going to be a problem this year, and I'm with you on next year's of the year to like, but everyone's going to buy the stock next year. Yeah. But still, like next year's the year they can make the jump. Now I bet you next I, year they don't buy the stock because they go seven and five this year. You're going to have a bunch of people who are like, he's not, he's not. So, so my only thing material. is, e even with you got to think they're in the Pac-12. So what teams on their schedule can actually stop them from scoring forty points, and then can match them? to score 40 points in like UCLA, Notre Dame, Utah, like are the only ones that I'm like, they could like, they could match it, like either match it or have enough, you know, like Utah has a, is going to have a stud defense. Notre Dame is going to have a really strong defense. Uh, UCLA, I think can match it with DTR. Oregon state maybe. And outside of that, I'm like, if, if you want a couple of those, you're at 10. So I'm with you on selling stock. I just don't know if the Pac-12 is strong enough to 
stop them. Here's what I, I'll agree with you, Jacob, about the pack. I'm looking through the schedule now. All right. So let's go ahead. I mean, we're not going to do the whole win loss, the whole thing, but they're losing to Notre Dame. Toss up UCLA, whatever. Okay. I'm not going to go through everything. I think they're losing to Utah. Okay. I just think yeah, that's the I'm case. With you. So, okay. Other than that, the rest of these teams are tomato cans, but you know what? <laughs> so is USC. All right. The Pac 12, any team in the Pac 12, hold for Oregon a little bit and Utah maybe a little bit. They just are going to lose, even, but those, even those teams, they're going to lose games that they're not supposed to lose to one of these, like, USC could lose to Washington State, and while it would be a shock, if you go back and look later in the season, you'd be like, eh, you know, Ohio State's got some – or Ohio State, see? I'm, <laughs> I've got a Freudian slip right there, Ohio State. No, uh, USC, they've got some holes, you know, and they're a flawed team. We would go back and make that argument. So I'm just basically pronouncing college football on this USC schedule, and I think that eight and four is the ceiling. So see, okay, all right. The ceiling. We're gonna have a challenge for the preseason picks. Yeah, I know. I know. <laughs> That's okay. All right, David. Who who else are you selling stock in? Yeah, I got I got my last one here. I just want to say real quick though, uh, USC is blessed that uh, they play Arizona coming off of a bye. So you know, yeah, thank God. Count your blessings, Trojans. <laughs> Count your <laughs> blessings. <laughs> all right. Extra Man, time to prepare for that. Put the Tucson. So, That's so, right, yeah, Jed everything. Fish. Yeah, gonna scheme up something special. Hey man, the Fish Bowl is gonna be rocking this year. Yes. Just, Look, when when Gronk cool. lines up, and you're like, "Who in the heck is this?" <laughs> just be, be ready. <laughs> why is Why does hey, he man. have three knee braces and two shoulder braces on? <laughs> What's going on here? Is he falling apart? Yeah. When, we, when Jacob and I first met last year, we were in Tucson of all places, very random, and. uh while we were there, this was probably after you had left, but uh, they had their spring game, first one under fish. They had Teddy Bruschi and Rob Gronkowski back, and they had they had Gronk try to like catch a punt that was dropped out of a helicopter or something. It was like the weirdest, like craziest <laughs> thing. But you know, he, he's bringing that energy around. But no, we all thirteen fans cheered. Like, yeah, I was gonna this say, was but, remarkable. More, more than more than enough Arizona discussion for any one uh, college football podcast. Uh, Let's just say if Arizona is going to be good, there's not much to do in Tucson. So <laughs> that could be the place to be on Saturday nights. <laughs> it very well could be. Um, you know, obviously it's going to be super hot, but they'll, you know, November comes eventually. Um, <laughs> actually, October 29th when USC comes to town, the weather should be great by then. But uh, that's right. I digress. <laughs> Um, my, my my second team that I'm that I'm selling is uh, well th- this one's like painfully obvious but I mentioned earlier we'd be going back to the Hawkeye State and I'm selling uh, uh, Iowa State um, and I, I I think this is this maybe news more to the casual fan than anyone who keeps super close tabs on college football but look these guys are losing uh, Brock Purdy Brees Hall. Charlie Kolar, um, their stud linebacker. It's everybody who made the Matt Campbell era at Iowa State really special to this point, for the most part, in terms of household names and big-time producers on offense. They're they're departing, and this is going to be a team that is in a rebuilding year. And I think Matt Campbell may have missed the best window to get out because there were some pretty high-profile job openings last year. And it kind of worked to his disadvantage that there were so many other big name coaches willing to jump, right? Because who would have thought that Brian Kelly would leave Notre Dame for LSU? Who would have thought that, uh, you know, Lincoln uh, Riley Lincoln Riley would leave Oklahoma for USC? Two jobs there who Matt Campbell may have been a viable candidate for under different circumstances. So, it's you remember you flash back to their senior day when some of these guys I just mentioned were running out of the tunnel for the last time you could see a level of emotion on Matt Campbell's face that made a lot of people wonder like man is he kind of saying farewell overall right and hey now he's back and he's gonna have to prove it once again that like he can build this thing because he did an amazing job with it the first go round. but this is kind of going to be a new era for Iowa State and I frankly haven't seen a win total, but if he gets them to bowl eligibility after all they've lost, 
I would consider that a very successful season, even if the Cyclones fans have come to expect more at this point. So I'm selling Iowa State. I think there's a significant drop off ahead for them. Number 128 in Conley's returning production. That's, mm. I mean, about as uh, one of the worst in, in, in the sport. So uh, w- curious to see kind of how he does with a reboot here. If he does well with it, it only solidifies, in my mind, the fact that he's an amazing coach. But I think anyone without a whole lot of talent in the area and anyone not consistently bringing in top 20 classes going to be hard-pressed to keep things at a really high level, losing that much production. Yeah, that's the, that's the key with the returning production numbers. It's, it's not – awful if you're able to recruit at an elite level so you see some teams that are just immune to it the classic rebuild versus reload and so it's just like you were saying uh, if you're not bringing in that that talent year in year out then uh that's that's gonna lend itself to have a uh, a drop off your rebuilding year and then you know develop 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 and then kind of build back to what you can be so uh i like it i agree Iowa State, I saw on Sportsbook, one total of seven and a half. So there should be a significant drop off there. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I might I'm take that under. Down. No doubt. Well, the Big 12 Absolutely. is better too, um, as a whole. That's true. Yeah. They should have won it when Oklahoma and Texas had their down year. Like last year was the year to do it. And, and Baylor's still going to be it good. Was. And West Virginia. But I mean, TCU can make a jump forward. <laughs> you know, Oklahoma State, I'm selling, but, you know, David might buy. Uh, but they still might be better than them, you know? Right. Like, that's uh, the thing, so. Kansas. Okay. Yeah. No. They beat Texas. And then they have know, to play so. Iowa. And Iowa, I mean, you know, yeah. some call them the Pittsburgh Steelers of the Big Ten. Um, David just team, wants so. David just wants the keys to Iowa City. That's all he's doing. No, yeah. He, it's funny because I end up – this is – I promise it's not on purpose, but, like, it just so happens that the stuff I write – it almost like I always end up being positive towards Iowa, negative towards Iowa State. I've never, I mean, I've, I've literally spent like all of 30 minutes in the state of Iowa. And that's only because you drive through <laughs> Iowa on your way out of the Omaha airport. So like, I've, I've never, never like, I have no reason to. You're the anti-Josh you know, Pate is what you are. So. He, right. And like, and there's another college football podcast that like talked about the Ames tap water. The Yahoo one, you know, they're like always talking about the tap water names. Well, like, I just need to like get up there and try some of it, and maybe it'll like change my takes. But yeah, it's 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 like no animosity, really. Whatever. Like, I just the last couple of years, I've just kind of been fading the Cyclones and and high on the Hawkeyes, and it's you know kind of been hey, the way it's gone. Yeah. <laughs> All right, for my last team, I was selling. We're gonna go down to the SEC again, relative, but look. I'm going to go to the SEC East. Is also there a more say USC, so, aren't you? <laughs> yeah. So, South Carolina, look, is the sorry, Cartwright, is there a more optimistic division in college football than the SEC East? Think about it. Like, Georgia is coming off of a national championship. You had three year one coaches who showed a lot of promise and Shane Beamer, Josh Heupel, and again, relative Clark Lee at Vanderbilt. Like, they've shown some promise. All right. You've got Mark Stoops, who has one of the most stable programs in college football, top 10 coach as well <laughs> at Kentucky. Uh, Florida has a year one coach in Billy Napier, and that fan base is not only excited, but putting their money where their mouth is. Billy Bags. Uh, with, and I, that's right. Like Billy's getting everyone rowing in the same direction. So Florida's excited. Missouri. Alpha nerd. Hey, alpha nerd. I'm not as high in Missouri, but you bring in, I mean, you had a big recruiting win. Five-star, you know, Luther Burton, uh, receiver for that offense. They just got a quarterback out of the transfer portal from Southern Miss, who's probably going to the starting job. That was their their big thing. All that being said, every fan base has something to be excited about. The problem is someone's got to lose games in the SEC. <laughs> like someone's got to take some L's, and I just think it's going to be South Carolina this season. Like I'm way higher. Uh, I think like if you're picking a team to be excited about in year two, you're picking Tennessee or South Carolina, and I am. Definitely picking Tennessee over South Carolina uh, for this season. I think the South Carolina could take a step forward and their record be worse. So their win total set at five and a half, but this was not like a top 40 team in SU Plus last year, like in power ratings wise. They caught some teams on some 
either like Florida who had just quit, like they beat Florida that, you know, they win seven games last year for the bowl game. But uh, this is just not a team that I am looking at and saying, like you are going to take a step forward this year because someone's got all these games in the SEC. I mean, I'm looking at South Carolina's schedule and like they literally, I mean, you get, you get Clemson, right, every year, which that's tough. Uh, you play Arkansas and Texas A&M out of the West. And, you know, Daniel, you're buying Ole Miss and LSU. I'm buying Texas A&M and Arkansas. Like, you, you don't want to play either of those teams out of the West. They get Arkansas in week two. So, like, breaking in a new offense with a team that's put together and what coaches Arkansas is going to be tough. Uh, I mean, you get Georgia every year in the East, obviously. You got to get two Tennessee. I mean, this is just a tough schedule. I think they can go six and six and be improved. I'm selling stock relative to – some people that are like hype on South Carolina and year two for Shane Beamer. So again, I don't think it's time to freak out if you go six and six, but I wouldn't be surprised by five and seven either. I mean, replacing, uh, what was his name? Zeb, uh, Zeb Nolan, <laughs> Zeb Nolan, old boy who was just coming in to be a grad assistant. And they're like, Hey, you can still fit in these Suit pads, up. right? Uh, let's get you out there. Uh, replacing him and then um, a one-ankled Luke Doty, I just don't know, you know, I think that there's going to be a big jump with Spencer Rattler as just like from a floor perspective. So I do, I can I can ride with you thinking, hey, they're going to lose some games because it's South Carolina and there's just teams that are higher up on the food chain. So I'm down with that. But I do think that five and seven, for me is kind of the lowest I could see them going. Cause I do think that they're going to be, they're not going to be like a seller team like Vanderbilt or, or, you know, someone like that. I do think that they're going to have a solid, uh, solid season overall, but yeah, I mean, so, Florida, for example, you were talking about how they quit last year. Like Florida is circling that game as a must win because in Billy Napier's first year, they're going to be like, we need to make a bowl game and we need to, like, you know, win eight games, we need to challenge Georgia. So, like, one of the games they're circling is, like, we can't lose to a team like South Carolina. So, a lot of these games that, you know, uh, Beamer won in the first year going to have to be losses probably this year. Well, and don't laugh when I say this, all right? I'm doing it. <laughs> Try not to laugh. But they're out of conference schedule. Obviously, you play Clemson. But they've got Georgia State and Charlotte who are not FCS schools, all right? These are a group of five schools, but they're both top 25 in returning production. So these are like veteran group of five schools, and that's scary, especially early on in the season. Like those are two of your first four games are Georgia State and Charlotte, and a Charlotte team that, hey, that's one of those, you know, regional, like, hey, we can beat a Carolina school. Like it's their like, Super Bowl. It's their Super Bowl. So you're they got get nothing to lose. Best. You're going to get their absolute best. You got Georgia State, Ellis Johnson used to be defensive coordinator at South Carolina, and then Quad Brown at quarterback. I mean, what a phenomenal name. Uh, don't don't laugh if one of those two teams upset South Carolina. All right, all right. Georgia State has some experience beating SEC East teams too. Yeah, they, took they down sure Tennessee. do. Yeah. And they should have beaten Auburn last year. Oh, yeah, man, absolutely. I forgot about that. They had them on the ropes. Wow. Yeah, so Georgia State, that's a good call, Jacob. That's something – wow, okay, okay. Yeah, I, My I, eyes I are open. The I'm watching it. Yeah, I, I love Shane Beamer, man, but there's five fan bases in the SEC East right now who all think that their team is finishing second in the division behind Georgia this year. It's, you know, obviously Georgia first, Vandy last. The other five <laughs> all think they're the second-best team in the division. I think it's really probably between Kentucky and Tennessee for that distinction. And mm -hmm. South Carolina is, you know, would be doing well to get ball eligible again, which is what Vegas suggests. So uh, I think from a perception standpoint, there's a natural expectation that you even build on your win total in year two. And so from that standpoint, I, I agree on the sell here. Cartwright's going to be so pissed, man. Cartwright, I'm, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> I like Spencer Rattler. Like, it's really, you know. I like Shane Beamer. It's you know just, what? He's awesome. How about this? How about this? Seven wins. Okay. They beat Clemson this year. You heard it here first. <laughs> Last year is the year to do it. <laughs> just, oh, goodness. Well, David, thanks so much for being on. You can follow David on Twitter. Are you W? Is it David, David W. Cobb? Cobb. 
That's at me. David W. Cobb. You can read his stuff on CBS. You got to know Sports our experts, for... Jacob. Come on. I know. I was like, well, I, I, I hesitated. I almost said David A. Cobb. I was like, that's not right. It's David W. Cobb. Uh, you can read oh, yeah. his stuff on CBSSports.com for college football. The W football. is for winner. So. That's right. <laughs> hey, college well, football and college basketball. So, you know, you got if you, that's your jam. D- double expert here. Uh, you can follow Daniel on Twitter at Deep South Daniel. You can follow me on Twitter at Jacob Carnes with a K. And that will do it for this edition of The Extra Point. He's Daniel. He's David. I'm Jacob. See ya.